Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. This is your host, June Rumley. Our guest today is Singapore-based Gwendolyn Regina, who leads BNB Chain's investments. Launched last year, the BNB Chain aims to bring 1 billion crypto users on board, boasting the adoption of BNB Chain and the wider blockchain industry. With the fund, Gwen's main responsibility includes streamlining processes around deal sourcing, investment strategy, portfolio management, and growth. As part of the role, she invests in promising projects in Web3 and Meta FI space, GameFi, SocialFi, NFTs, etc. And she also leads the Most Valuable Builder Incubation Program, which she herself set up. So Gwen has spent over 16 years across media, technology, blockchain, and Web3 sectors across the Asia-Pacific, Paris and Silicon Valley. So our chat today with Gwen is going to be revolved around her association with the fund. She leads and other matters. So hi, Gwen. Thank you so much for joining us today from Singapore. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me, June and Daily Straits. It's been fun to, to start this conversation. Awesome. So you have, uh, we'll just dive right in this, uh, right straight right into the question. So um, actually, you're very interesting. You've worn many, many hats in the past, and you've also worked with Facebook, Meta. And so you recently made, uh, I think eight months ago, you were made to lead this uh, this whole BNB chain. So tell us how you got this job in the first place. Like, Yeah, thanks, June. Actually, now it's closer to 10 months already. Time really, really flies. So uh, my background has always been entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial. I started a few things. Um, I launched a few things in Asia Pacific, including a role at Meta, where I pioneered uh, Southeast Asia's uh, first kind of VC and startup accelerator program um, with a particular slant. Um, so that was super interesting run as well. And how I got this role at, at BNB Chain was, you know, I've always been into technology, paradigm shifts, right? Tech, tech is really my core. And I first saw Bitcoin in 2010, uh, was really amazed by the life-changing potential of the technology. And I didn't do anything with it for like seven years because I was running a few businesses, super busy, heads down, you know, struggling entrepreneur back then, right? And um, um, fast forward to 2017, I started getting back into it. And... Um, but it was only this time was the first time that was like a quote unquote a full time role, right? Where I could dedicate twenty four seven of my time, you know, into the space. So, I uh, yeah, I I I talked to the 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 company, and I told them what I like to do, um, my back, back background, entrepreneurial, you know, global market expansion, investments, and they're like, hey, we've got the you know we need all these skill sets let's you know have you do this right so it was very organic process was a very 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 good process where i felt like the team hr the team listened to who i was and kind of like really match made the role for me it wasn't listed anywhere right it is not wasn't responding to a job listing or anything so that's a really good process where i felt that they were very focused on the person in front of you and the talent in front of you Awesome. Okay, so uh, years ago, an occupation like yours never existed. So 
As such, can you describe what your day-to-day -day looks like with this current role? Yeah, well, um, this particular role would, didn't exist years and years ago, but generally I would say that for my career, I've always been in similar roles in a sense that I'm always at a cutting edge, cutting edge of technology. I'm always um, talking to entrepreneurs and developers and investors on the ground, looking at new innovations, be it product innovation or business model innovation. So for me, nothing much has changed essentially. Right. Um, so, so on a, on, on the zooming in, you know, when you ask on day to day kind of operationally, um, I have many, many calls, many, many meetings. I think on a daily basis, I do on average about, uh, 35 hours, you know, my calendar tells me I do an average of 34.5 or 35 hours of calls, uh, meetings, and you know, there's still the rest of work that needs to be done. Right like actual sitting down, reading, you know, looking at investment memos, you know, looking at, at various things. Um, yeah, so it's always talking to entrepreneurs, um, talking to fellow investors, talking also internally, because ultimately, you know, when you're building something from the ground up, you know, and internally here at BNB Chain, we are such a small and relatively young team, right? Where BNB Chain is year and a half old, um, almost two years soon, right? I mean, I joined again like 10 months ago, but really it's been a small team that's managed to grow BNB chain to really the most used blockchain with 1 million daily active users, right? It's amazing feat. You know, kudos to the rest of the team and the OG team that, that really started this. So a lot of it requires, you know, internal coordination as well, because you do have, again, like any kind of company or startup, right? You do need different expertise and skill sets to grow something. Right. So this is the core team that works with the wider community. So we do have, you know, the tech developers. We do have people focused on marketing, you know, people on ops, events, um, you know, myself doing a bunch of things, investments, BD, right? Um, operational, operational stuff, as you mentioned, because when you're building, um, it's making sure that collectively all your, your team members are focused on one goal doing your relative your your respective roles well but yet be able to again coordinate so in a team coordination cost is one of the highest costs it's very hidden right um but it's one of the most important costs to really take note of so yeah so my day-to-day -day consists of external internal meetings as well um and a lot of um yeah just you know solo work where i have to you know again dive and digest stuff awesome okay so um i would like this to come from you so in a nutshell can you explain how this um this thing that you're you're hitting has a previous has a connection with binance yeah so binance kicked off bnb chain like again september 2020 right so originated from 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 binance um but as you know in a web3 world in in, in the decentralized world it's owned by the community it's owned by many people right so we are you know we are 1300 depth strong more more counting we you know we've got you know 21 validators moving to 41 now so we've got a bunch of you know people and community leaders who've been all been supporting um bnb chain and binance is a it's, it's, con it's a contributor as well just a very large one right they've put in a lot of resources as well so ultimately when we look at the whole ecosystem we always look at we always think bigger right which is what is the pie and you know 
Binance as as you know as a mothership as like you know with so many resources and conglomerate to some extent, um, just many products and and many teams that we work closely with as well. And yeah, we also work a lot of community leaders. You know, we work with a lot of you know, builders of DApps, entrepreneurs, you know, security auditors, right? Um, a lot of people from the community as well. So we we'll bring them all together to make sure that we're all have that larger goal in mind in terms of growing crypto and and for us growing bnb chain okay so um in recent days right there's been a lot of unfavorable news going around with the cryptocurrency sphere so i have no idea but i just wanted to check with you has this affected uh your uh bnb fund in any way in um moving forward markets will always go up and down you cannot escape them, right? So if if someone is in the market and hoping to, you know, be, be out of the woods and to escape them, I mean, it's impossible. That's literally part of, I don't know, society or economic growth cycles, right? So in terms of affecting us, um, a BAB chain, uh, no, because we've always been just focused on in, um, finding, investing, working with the builders on the ground, right? So, you know, in fact, when markets are down, it's when you see, um, the formal money maybe run out, right? Which is good because you leave behind the serious builders, people who really believe in the technology, in the space, what they're doing uh, for the long run. And and these are people who, um, you know, are here, whatever the market say, right? So personally, I like this space more. There is less noise to some extent as well, right? Every single day now, you know you're not bombarded by like oh that that coin went up i don't know whatever ten thousand percent you know and then people is like what's this new thing is it legitimately good or is it just uh, you know just all hype right you know so you you know and sometimes in bull markets you, the, the the negative there is that you have to deal with a lot of noise as well right so yeah so for us ultimately you know we i mean sure we're looking at markets for sure right it does affect the whole market in general it affects valuations for sure it affects runways um, of the projects we're investing in, like if they have no money in the bank in the treasury, you know, um, no pe no new players or uh, people coming in, can their token their business model their tokenomics sustain? Right, so it affects a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, right? But in terms of affecting us at BNB Chain, um, largely speaking, on a work on a day to day work basis, no, right? But it does affect when we talk to projects again, like. The questions not say change, but you know it's um now the projects have more um they they realize that there's more to be aware of essentially yeah awesome okay so can you give us a lowdown on uh, some of your current investments yeah so we made quite a few uh quite recently that is very very interesting so I will highlight kind of um maybe two. So one project that we really like is Alethea.ai. So Alethea.ai basically brings AI to NFTs. So think intelligent NFTs, INFTs, right? So they bring um, GPT-3 technology to AIs where you can um, later on, you know, have your own avatar. Um, you're literally talking avatar that can respond to people as well. So you can train it with data, with, you know, things that you normally say, you know, um, and voice, I think later on, not now is quite robotic voices, but you know, again, technology evolves, right? So basically creating intelligent I, uh, NFTs that can talk to you. 
So there's been quite a few examples online already. Uh, the other project that we really like is uh, Windcast as well. So Windcast allows you to bid live on, so it's an auction, live auction on a sporting NFT, for example. So let's imagine we're all watching a soccer or football game, right? And it's a free kick, right? The the guy or girl, right, is about to kick, you know, into the goal. And, and it may be a goal or may not be a goal, right? But people can bid live for that you know, potential um, like a GIF, like a video, right? Um, and it becomes a goal, it may be worth a lot. So, you know, it, it's still it's still uh, launching, um, but we're very I'm very excited about that because it really can change a few things, can change that, um, the sporting space, can change again, live um, space. Um, but it, more importantly, it brings several elements together which are very innovative. Again, live auctions. But for spotting events and typically you know you see replays you know on on the tv or something on youtube right but now imagine if um you can own an nft or that particular goal i mean that's really exciting okay so um just to uh be clear are you like a vc like a venture capitalist like you so my background you know i've uh, my i first started in investments in 2007 yeah, so a very long time ago, even before graduating college, actually. So that kind of shows my age. But um, but yeah, so you know, um, I've been investing um both with funds as well as in individually for a very long time. And yeah, so here my role is really about you know finding the good projects, innovative projects to invest in. So I my background is I always again you heard my introduction at the beginning. I'm an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, and operator and investor. So that's me. Okay, great. So um, how do you find all these um, wonderful projects to invest in? So tell us more about BNB chain hackathons, which gives away up to 10 million uh, in prizes and seed funding. So um, that's one. And the second one I wanted to ask you, what kind of like in these hackathons, right? Most hackathons, they are looking for companies who can solve problems. But are you also looking for the same or you're looking for new and innovative ideas? Yeah, so the key thing about um, the hackathon for us is really about growing, um, growing top of the funnel, right? Ultimately, in tech innovation, a lot of it is driven by technology, that's driven by developers and builders, right? So Revelation, you know, we concluded it a few weeks ago. It was the first um, really global, you know, BNB chain hackathon. 50-day event um, actually it was supporting multi-chain actually that's more important so you know for us we you know received like hundreds of applications we selected in the end you know we had six tracks uh three basically three winners each so it was tough choice actually because i was part of the judging pool as well and innovation is is abundant my gosh right it was difficult to to actually select but of course you also have a mixed bag right where you know it's maybe not so innovative for others which is innovative but you're like it's so new um and and it's just a smidgen of an idea right how can you you know you know is it just an idea or can it actually turn to the product right so for us we're always looking for innovation right for for bnb chain again our grow, goal is to grow crypto to its first billion users that includes a lot of things. That includes, you know, bridging Web 2 to Web 3. That includes bridging the retail users, bringing the mass mass users on board, bringing mass use cases on board. But also then, you know, 
thinking ahead. How can you build for a blockchain world, Web3 world, for one year, two years, three years from now? You need builders to be innovative. You need builders to be thinking of combining themes, combining, you know, composability of the blockchain, for example, right? So we're looking for all that. So we really want new ideas. But more importantly, we want sustainable ideas, right? So when we select projects, you know, they have to show us, you know, how new it is. You know, you, you want, we want to understand what unique way are you looking at the problem or the market? Or what unique way are you looking at a solution for an old problem, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to be surprised or impressed by how you're able to bring in your different expertise to, to okay, re-look with fresh eyes. And so then more importantly than sustainability. So business model, tokenomics, you know, is it sustainable? Is it is your algorithms backing whatever you have or, you know, your value chain that you've created? Is it, you know, relying on, you know, just new players like coming in all the time, right? Or is there a loop in your economy that is, again, that is sustainable? So that's important because we're not here to just invest or work with, you know, just fireflies, you know, just burning bright for just like one, whatever, one second and then you go off, right? Mm -hmm. We are here looking for projects and builders that have the vision and have the ability to create a project that can last and, and literally change the industry. Okay, so as part of your role, your task in investing in promising projects within the Web3, Meta, FI space, GameFi space, Social Fi, NFTs. So all these decisions, right, are these solely made by you or do you have a team that help you make these decisions? Yeah, great question. So for us, uh, we do have, there's a lot of agency in each person, right? So we make sure that we give the investments team, even the BD team, you know, when they decide which projects to work with, a lot of agency. But ultimately, we have an um, investment committee. So so for me personally, you know, I, I would, you know, voice my opinion, you know, we'll, we'll write, you know, again, we have investment memos, right? We do all of that. All the typical process that you have, due diligence process, investment committee process of a typical fund, we do have that. And so investment committee then, you know, consists of um, a bunch of other people to contribute their expertise, their opinions, insights, because sometimes you may miss things, mm -hmm. right? And, and you want just a diversity of opinions. But one thing I would also say is that it's not about by consensus, because the whole thing about innovation sometimes is that the most brilliant ideas can seem crazy, right? There's many been many examples in the past where you take in a Web2 world, there may be many Web2 VCs that actually have something called the anti-portfolio, where they rejected big companies like investing into PayPal, Meta, and stuff like that, right? You know, so kudos to them, you know, being proud of the fact that, hey, we saw them, but we missed, we said no to investing, right? So again, so sometimes the crazy, brilliant ideas just look so uh, iffy. So, but ultimately the investment committee is meant to give you that broad base of, again, poking holes, right? But ultimately, you know, the way investment, um, like innovation is is done or is, is selected is sometimes can be very subjective. And sometimes you just need conviction from one person, right? So, so we do have all that where we want to make sure that we are effectively, again, making sure that people uh, were able to poke enough holes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, we do allow for a lot of agency and conviction um, thesis. Okay, great. 
So um, with a busy schedule like yours, right, how do you keep uh, up, to date, up to date with all things crypto or latest development within the sphere? Um, and where or what do you read to keep yourself uh, up to date with the latest news? Yeah, I read a lot. And I'm not going to name names because I do read a lot. I pay for some of them as well. Um, yeah, I pay a lot of money for some of them as well. <laughs> we also have some um, internal team subscriptions to a few stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I do a few things. Uh, Twitter is one, crypto Twitter is one. I subscribe to a lot of newsletters. I don't read them all, but there's a few I really read uh, quite diligently. And actually, I wish I could spend more time as well. Um, I think I think one thing I'll really, really mention, uh, two things maybe I'll really, really mention would be uh, Delphi Digital is, is really great. Uh, Masari does really great stuff as well. Um, yeah, the reports are all amazing. Uh, Nansen also does really good reports. So, sorry, I said I wouldn't mention names, but um, yeah, why not? <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, I do read uh, quite a few of them. Um, and sometimes also our team, you know, there's the research team also um, comes in with some research um, of the market. So that's also helpful because honestly, there's just so much going on in the market that um, it's really hard to know 100%. I, I would say that, you know, if anyone says that they know 100% of what's going on, I would say that's not correct. <laughs> it's a bunch of balderdash, right? Um, so you can only try your best. Okay, so author Neil Stevenson coined the term metaverse in his 1992 science fiction novel Snow Crash with the envision of a virtually virtual, virtual reality-based successor to the internet. In the novel, people use digital avatars of themselves to explore the online world, often as a way of escaping a dystopian reality. So many people often find this a sad reality of what's to come in life. So in your opinion, right, what do you think? What do you make out of this? Um... So, you know, that's, so I love Neil Stevenson that for some reason, that particular book, I still haven't read. I think I really, really need to bump it up my, my priority reading list. Um, for me, so I first saw, okay, can I just go back to a personal story, June? Yeah, sure. So in 1996, 1997, you know, I had like probably my first major computer, right? The, the, blue, the, the Blueberry iMac. And I surfed onto the internet for, you know, um, I don't know, I don't know what, how often, but anyway, I surfed on the internet actually very often. And I chanced upon this virtual train station, like literally 3D train station. Imagine back in 96, 97, that was super new. Mm -hmm. I mean, my mind was blown as when I was a very, very young kid. And, and with my arrow keys, I could move my avatar, run, my avatar could be running up and down the virtual train station. And I was hooked. I was like, wow, you, with like 2D code, you could create like 3D world, right? So my mind was blown. So I, for me, that's like, I've come full circle almost, right? Because we have online lives now. We have Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Instagram, right? And now with, you know, Metaverse, it's basically same, like, like you mentioned, VR, 3D, it's just a new name to some extent, right? But again, Neil Stevenson was ahead of his time as well. So in this new world, you know, where what I really see is the merging of online and offline. You already have different identities. So if you look at my social media profiles, actually, every single social media profile, um, my location is a different universe. 
universe one two three universe four five six every single social media profile of mine um it's a very it's my it's my own <laughs> way of making a joke where you know every single social media profile you see of me you're seeing a different side of me because you can there's no one social media profile that can truly capture all of you right so because they all allow for different experiences and different modes of engagement so the way i see it is that your your physical and online life is really fragmented based on the platforms you use again even in the physical world your friends who know you from school your friends who know you from work your friends who know you from i don't know whatever sport or dance or hobby that you do know you in a different light so the way i look at it you know what we have today is that you have many different ways form factors so to speak of engaging with yourself engaging with the world presenting yourself presenting to the world um and then big social right and it's neither good nor bad it's just an evolution of technologies evolution of modes of engagement and this will continue to evolve so for me i embrace you know technology and all it's good and bad to some extent right of course i embrace the good but the bad when i say embrace it it means that you cannot reject it you know a tool is a tool technology is technology how you use it is really how you use it so it's you have to be aware of what um, negatives or repercussions a potential piece of tool or technology can have and then you um you know either you self-modulate right you regulate yourself or you know from a from a society-wide level maybe there could be policies that could be implemented that could help society regulate itself right but ultimately when i look at it um you know i'm you know i take away the word metaverse take away you know um, other kinds of like buzzwords to some extent it may change again later on right but ultimately what i embrace here is the fact that we have many ways now of engaging with um owning our own content again you talk about a jump from web 2 to web 3 world web 2 world we didn't own what we produced right in a web 3 world we have the ability now to share in the creation of my favorite music celebrities you know uh upcoming album for example and get a share of his profits back as a fan right and other ways of engagement and so i think this is the beauty of it where this 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 universe this world that we're living in now is multifaceted okay so you don't think it's sad it's a sad outcome or sad reality that we are going into no because okay so my my answer is more nuanced than that if if let's say if i see someone literally just playing um you know so that they're gamers in the world that are professional gamers right so that's one thing you know they treat it really like a full sport and stuff like that but on the other hand if i see um a person who is mindless okay, the key is mindlessly gaming let's say just clicking you know a farm or whatever it is and earning money and living i will feel sad so like you know when, when xe infinity really blew up i was in two minds about it i can say one is that it's amazing looking at how it enabled you know some people on the ground to now be able to buy a new ironing board or oven or whatever it is right and then be able to escape poverty that was beautiful the, the other part of me was sad in the sense that what if we enabled a whole you know mass of people who literally just do mindless gaming so again the different kinds of gaming i don't know i don't want to i'm not saying that all gaming is bad 
right? Gaming, you learn many skills, social skills and multi, you know, you can coordinate skill, <laughs> coordination skills. So, so if it's just mindless gaming, you know, a mindless scrolling, let's say in a, in a web, you know, in, in on our phones, then it's sad. Yes. Right. But again, you have to look at it. For me, I kind of look at it again, Zuma as a whole, which is that there are good and bad parts of technology. There are good and bad parts of engagement. And if you're cognizant of the potential negatives and repercussions, then you can try to mitigate against that. If there's so, so I think then the question then is that how can the, as a person, you know, um, regulate yourself, right? So for myself, you know, I do put some timer limits, long limits on some of the apps. I am not the best at it, right? But I try to switch off my phone as well, as an example. Um, when I, uh, I get jumped to the examples of, you know, the the um, the new Stevenson example that you gave, you know, people just mindlessly living online. Um, yes, to some extent, except. Um, but you know what? To each our own, right? To some extent, I don't want to judge other people as well. So for me, when I look at it, there's always a totality of good and bad. And there's a totality of opinions. I think that's more important. So uh, would I want a society where we're all like, you know, mindless drones, you know, uh, copying and following algorithms and stuff like that? In fact, I've written an essay before on this as well, where, you know, when we're on the when online, when we're engaging in online world, you know, let's say Facebook or Twitter, we are presented content presented to us by algorithms that curate based on our own bubble, right? I think that's not good. In that, if you all, all exist in your own bubble, then what, you know, how can your mind grow, right? Because you need diverse opinions, you need conflicting opinions to also grow. But if you're aware of it, then you can escape it, right? So I actually have have some friends, for example, who have very differing viewpoints from mine. I keep them as friends, right? Or I talk to them. So I think it's important to realize, you know, what part of technology that you yourself don't like. And then by knowing it, you, tr you can actively take steps to escape the negatives of it. So that's, that's how I personally engage with it. Um, I've gone on a monologue. But but yes, continue, June, on, on that line of thought, if you want. Uh, no, actually, I wanted to ask you back on your, we'll go back to BNB chain. Mm. So um, you have a big plan to onboard 1 billion users. So I think at the moment, it's at 2 billion, 2 million, or is it? Oh, so, uh, yeah, all-time high on a daily, uh, daily basis was 2.27 million. Okay, so one billion is practically like almost the whole world, right? I mean, a, a, a big population. So how do you plan to achieve this? So ultimately, when you look at mass crypto adoption, I think it's going to come earlier than what we expect, right? You really see the adoption curves of different technologies over the last few decades. It always takes faster and faster to reach, you know, a mass user adoption. Uh, second is that how we plan to achieve this is that again mass use cases. So you know we've seen DeFi come come uh, come alive about two and a half years ago. GameFi come alive over the last last year or so, you know last year year and a half or so. But it was GameFi that really took the masses, right? It was the first time, so to speak, that the you know traditional media even was covering it. You know the average um, person who knew 
um, did not follow the space, right? Again, playing um, games and being able to benefit from the beauty of blockchain and Web3 and decentralization, the decentralized world. Um, so it's about finding such use cases like this where we're able to reinvent, you know, um, mass UK use cases, but also distribute a lot of the, the ownership back to the users. So think about SocialFi, right? We have, you know, SocialFi needs to be reinvented. There are people looking to do it as well, stuff like that. Then there are many things that I think within SocialFi that can be, that, that I, I don't know, I don't know, that I know that I don't know rather, right? So one example that we've seen uh, do really well in terms of SocialFi is MusicFi, which is, I guess, a subset, depends, depends on how you cut it, right? And so CoreWrite is a MusicFi project on BNB chain that allows, again, music celebrities to work with their fans um, on their next album, on an upcoming release. So Alan Walker, one of the world's most um, you know, famous DJs, um, he worked with his fans who many of them contributed different aspects of it. One, you know, some contributed like a drum beat, some contributed like a guitar sound or whatever. And they all contributed to collaborate and create uh, um, Alan Walker's upcoming uh, release called Unity. So stuff like that, you know, you're able to, again, get your the whole community involved in the success of your journey. And I think that's beautiful. So stuff like that, I think will bring in more people into into the into the space, um, and this is where we think we can hit one billion users. But what is also important to say is that it's not our goal to just, in a sense, blindly convert people. It's not about that. It's more like we really believe that this technology has the has the potential and beauty of again allowing more people in the community to share in the success of something together, and and with that, more people should be able to share the success of technology and society uh, themselves as well, rather than just passively consuming something. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay. And all right. That's all the time that we have for today. We have just been speaking to Gwen Dylan Regina of BNB Chain. Thank you so much, Gwen, from joining, for joining us today. Thank you so much, June and Daily Straits. Thank you. And have a great uh, day or evening. Awesome. The pleasure is all ours. Be, be sure to join us the next time as we aim to interview another awesome individual from across the globe. Thank you.